0: The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to chumpacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumpaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
4: It's The Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizio Spanoletto Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer, for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust.
3: Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers, and if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air— then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that.
4: As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
5: Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes, and today I am delighted once again to be joined by Tony Haggerty, who is a regular feature on the Monday Axon Bulletin, and David Slight, who has been in and out of the bulletins over the last year or so. David, welcome back to the show. It's great to see you guys. It's the start of a new week. We should be starting a new week in a positive fashion, but as always, there's loads to talk about in the world of Celtic as well as. Three nothing league victories, but we will start off with that because you know it was a decent enough victory. I felt I've seen a lot of stuff online about it being a Neil Lennon esque performance. I've seen a lot of people saying that Tony. Um, I was chuffed to get the the win. It was fairly comfortable. I think at half time uh, on the bulletin, Laura and I spoke about a Yeti and the fact he was. Pretty anonymous. He goes out and scores two goals. Delighted for him on that front. What do you make of that That game at the weekend? Job done. Let's move on to uh, Betis on Thursday night, Tony. Very much so, in sir, case
6: of job done. Results are paramount for Celtic at this minute in time. How you get them? It's neither here nor
5: there. So you're right, Tony. I mean, it is important that you focus on Getting the three points on the board, you know, looking at that league t- uh, table, obviously after the Hearts and Hibs draw, and saying, "Well, our target is Rangers, are three points ahead of us, uh, and we're, we're basically wanting to be within touching distance." And I hate saying that by Christmas in terms of the, the league title, because you know you remember, that would be an improvement.
6: You know, when we came back from an international break and the star striker was injured, mm-hmm. so that threw the kind of plans into turmoil a bit. You know, you you handed debuts to Cameron Catler-Vickers, Jota. You know, not sure where they're going to go. You know, they, they came through them with flying colours. You no, know, right, I I think the problem is they set, they set a high bar in the last two home games with 6-0 destructions of uh, Dundee and St Mern. You're not going to win 6-0 every every weekend when you're at home. That's just not possible. I think people been a bit dismayed with the, the football that wasn't up to that standard, even Angie himself, I think, said it was just all right. But at least you're saying all right, and they won three nothing. No, it took them a while to break Ross County down. I think people were getting frustrated with that element of fortune that broke them down. You know, and I agreed we had, I had to change my man by man very swiftly about the jetty. I get two more kicks in the jetty. But then I didn't get two more goals in the jetty. You know what I <laughs> mean? And then the thing say about him was, yeah, he was largely anonymous for most of that game. But his two goals were two strikers and two poachers' instinct goals. So that you can't teach. You know, just maybe want him to get more involved. But he was there in the right place at the right time. He had both of those goals in. So, you know, you can't fault him for that. That's what strikers do. You know, You know, had Henrik Larsson did that and he's pumped and people say, oh, he was brilliant. You know, so I, I, again, I, like you, thought he was pretty ordinary, but it, does, it, it takes extraordinary skill to be in the right place at the right time as a striker. His first headed goal was a lot more difficult than it looked. And then the second one, he stooped very low. Not di- again, difficult skill, but in there, in there to do it. So I'll cut off some slack. And hopefully he takes a confidence boost from that himself. Because yeah. he looked like a man who, when he went through on goal, with that first chance that McGregor set up for him, didn't he look confident enough that he was going to finish it. Don't know what you thought as he ran through. I didn't feel, you know. So hopefully he relaxes a bit. You know, I get back to strikers need to relax, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. Let, and let it flow. He did what was natural to him. He threw himself at the those two headers and scored. He because that comes natural
5: to him. What you're talking about there, it, it brings back this, and I'm not comparing the players, but it brings back an interview I listened to uh, by Kenny Dalglish, where he was asked to describe his goal for Scotland against Spain, and he couldn't describe it. He said, I can describe it by looking at it on the screen, but I can't tell you what was going through my head because it was just natural. It was instinctive. And I think that comes with confidence. The minute a player lacks a bit of confidence, they seem to second guess what they're going to do next. They don't do what is natural to them. And I think that first chance they had in the first half seemed a wee bit like that. It was a wee bit laboured, David.
1: It was. um, And you could see that Yet he was understandably struggling for confidence at the at the start of the game. He kept, I noticed he kept sort of pointing at, at, to teammates as if he was about to make a run, but he never made the run, and the teammates didn't make the pass. And it may be a, a sort of lack of confidence on his part, um, not you know not making the runs, or a lack of confidence perhaps on the part of his teammates as well. All the better to see him get those two goals in the second half. I think that would have done his confidence no harm at all. And and I thought he looked a livelier player. Um, once it once he got the two goals, he seemed to be buzzing a bit more. We certainly missed uh, Kyogo's movement in the first half, um, and at times, by comparison, the Yeti looked a bit a bit static. But uh, so much of a striker's makeup is down to is down to self confidence, and it would be understandable if a Yeti was a wee bit short of that at the moment. But hopefully, those two goals will have done him a lot of good. A lot of other positives to take from Saturday. I thought I thought Jota had a good game. Out on the left, particularly in the first half, faded a bit. In the second half, Cameron Carter-Vickers, man of the match performance, speaks for itself. Chipped in with the, uh, chipped in with a goal. Um, Duranovic at right back, maybe a wee bit less convincing than than he was at Ibrox, but um, there were some positives to take, even if the performance was a wee bit laboured compared to the last two home games.
5: Yeah, it was. Now uh, we might be in a situation where Kyogo comes back in, Tony. We've got a. Uh a strike and a Yeti with more confidence so that you know you can call upon him perhaps to bring him into specific games where you're looking for more of a poacher's instinct or periods of a game where you want to throw him in. And then, of course, we've got Jekamakis who we've not seen in action in a Celtic jersey yet. And we could actually have a situation there where we are far better covered um, should Diokamakis hit the ground running. And we've got three strikers who can do specific jobs. Now, uh, David already mentioned, we did have a couple of deputants, one of whom put in a man-of-the-match performance and got a goal. The other, I thought, Joe, was very impressive in the first half. Um, if, if there wasn't perhaps the finished product, and a lot of people have been saying that it's his finished Kind of product, his end product that that you're looking at. He faded a wee bit, but Abada came into the game, so it wasn't a massive concern. When we're looking ahead to Thursday, Tony, how many of these players are in the manager's starting lineup? And I would include also Ziranovic, who David mentioned, but also young Adam Montgomery, who I think came on and acquitted himself very, very well.
6: Yeah. <laughs> I got Pelters for my man man-by-mans because I gave Montgomery a five, but only due to the fact that he played like 40-whatever-it-was minutes. You know, I toyed with the idea of giving him a six because I quite like Adam Montgomery. And when he's came on and, and played at left-back, he's really acquitted himself well. You know, he, he, he's done he nothing wrong. So I would actually quite like, if Taylor's not available, then I wouldn't mind seeing Adam Montgomery there. And I think he looks quite, you know, looks very natural. And Celtic got a, a, a forward boost when he came on as well. You know, Juranovic, again, I thought he did okay, but others say he gets skinned a few times, you know, so and that's it's all about opinion, isn't it? But I quite like the look of Jota. I think once Jota hits his stride and Kyogo come back into the side, I think they can link up really well. I think Giotta's got that eye for that killer through pass, you know, and that Kyogo could latch onto no problem at all. Yeah. He skillful mm-hmm. in the first half. I thought, you know, I just thought he was maybe guilty of trying too hard, you know, to impress. But he looks he has some skills and tricks, you know. Uh, and he looks like, yep, you know, once he's at it, he's bang at it. You know, I think it'll be a wonderful asset for Celtic moving forward. And I think he'll enjoy it as well. He'll fade in the second half, but a lot of the ball went down the right-hand side to a badder side, didn't it? You know, the cross for the second goal came from a badder side. So, you know, I, I don't mind that, but I thought he showed enough for me. Put himself into contention certainly, because you're going to have to go to Real Betis and score, aren't you? Mm. You know, to get a result. So uh, Majetti hopefully, he's got confidence. But Carter Vickers is just a big unit, isn't he? He's a kind of throwback to big units of defenders at Celtic, quite liked, and Martin O'Neill particularly liked. You know that kind of you no know, and then and stroll forward, and you know uh, had the wherewithal to take a shot to goal. You don't shoot, you'll no score. But just decided, I'm having. It. Okay, it's took a massive deflection, but it's ended up in the back of the net. It's ended up where he wanted it, and we and the team needed that break at that particular time. But I just look at players and I think, right? Can you do? Can you master the basics, especially defenders? And I thought you'll do it for me. And I think a lot of Celtic supporters felt like that too. That you know, he looks he looks rugged. He looks like kind of no nonsense, and and I think Star felt felt comfortable with him. Yeah. By his side. Mm -hmm. Felt more comfortable, and I think that says a lot. You know that presence gives you that physique. You know you look there and you think, well, any centre forward, oh, you're in the game. You know, and I'm not saying he's the finished article by any stretch, but I I think a lot of Celtic supporters felt the same. Staff felt they felt comfortable because they looked him and thought, you know what, you'll do a job, you'll be all right. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm quite. I was quite happy with Carter Vickers and the man in the matches, David, said performance, said it all, really. You know, uh,
5: last week we were speaking about, as you're able to do, you're able to speculate on what you feel the predicted lineup is going to be leading up to a game. And I was talking about, you know, giving Carter Vickers' debut um, at the expense of Stephen Welsh. And Stephen Welsh is a player who I've long championed. I I really like him. I think he's been a, a very... Good acquisition to the squad. Uh, you know he's come through the the youth process at Celtic. And when was the last time we had a centre half to do that and actually play fifty or more games? Which Welsh is heading towards. And you're probably going back to Steve McManus. You know, because we haven't, there's been a real dearth the centre-half's come through the Celtic ranks in recent times. And then on the, right, the right-hand right side, uh, the decision was made for Ange Postacoglu because obviously Ralston failed to make the game um, and were unwa- unaware at this moment in time he was going to make it on Thursday night. And when I, I spoke about that, David, I spoke about the fact that, you know, the likelihood is Juranovic would start, but, but Carter Vickers would probably start as well. And Ralston and Welsh would drop out. There was some criticism around that saying, well, you've got to give youngsters a chance. And I get that because I'd love for half the team to be youth graduates. But when you're bringing these players in, and in the case of Juranovic, with a fee, um, I think that the manager's bringing them in to play them. And there are going to be some casualties or fall guys. uh, And unfortunately, that fell on Ralston through illness and Welsh when it comes up to Thursday night, do you think we're going to stick with those two? Because I do get the feeling that he sees, and Postacoglu sees them as part of his first choice back four.
1: Yeah, I reckon he does too. Um, so I would expect those two to play on uh, on Thursday night against um, against Real Betis. Um, I, I, I mean, I understand the point about um, uh, the likes of Raulston and Welsh, but they can't play all the games. And, and um, you know, poster Postecoglou made that very point a couple of a couple of weeks a couple of weeks ago. It, you know, the the the, the the point of um, bringing in the extra players is to have cover, if possible, in every position, and to ensure that we don't run the likes of Ralston and Wells, just young guys, into the ground at this stage of their careers. And in that regard, I think everybody, you know, looks on in amazement at, at, at Callum McGregor and, and and you know crosses their fingers every time a, a heavy tackle comes in on him because the number of miles in his legs is, you know, quite simply phenomenal. Uh, and and he's so key to everything that we do. A lot of people were surprised, but he was subbed as early as he was on um, on, on Saturday. With Celtic just one up at the time, um, uh, but I, I think that was Ange just you know thinking thinking ahead to to Thursday and thinking about the minutes that that McGregor's played and of course you know called up on international duty trip over to uh, to Vienna during the week. Um, you know he 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 simply can't do it all, and and, and neither can neither can Ralston a Welsh. But I'm sure that we'll see. Um, Juranovic and Cameron Carter-Vickers play on Thursday night, but I'm sure also that um, Ralston Welsh and the others will have a part to play as the season progresses.
5: Yeah, uh, without a doubt. And uh, it was a good uh, decision, I think, on, on McGregor. Whenever possible, you know, even if it's a half hour here or there, uh, give him that rest, Tony. And I think the other, you know, question uh, around Thursday's lineup when you're looking at the the predicted lineup. Would be around about the man you gave a five to, young Montgomery. Um, Again, coming through the ranks, been very impressed with him. I've got to say, I think he's got the defensive element to his game, but he's also very comfortable going forward on the left hand side. And I think that we've we've unearthed the wee gem, and Adam Montgomery. And I think he will be in the same kind of category, although he's not had the same amount of games as the aforementioned Welsh and Ralston. But I think he's going to get game time uh, alongside these two guys. So what What are they, 19, 21 and 22? Um, so for me, on Thursday night, I'm going to go back to what I said about the Rangers game. I wanted uh, Montgomery to play I wanted him to start because he's come on in the European game when uh, Welsh has done his his uh, shoulder for the first time. And I thought he acquitted the cell really well. And I thought he'd done enough at that stage, Tony, to, to play against Rangers at Ibrox. And I understand you the balance there because, you know, you're getting thrown into the, the cauldron uh, at that point. I was disappointed to see that he went for someone else out of position. But I think this time round, it's a must that Montgomery starts on Thursday night. Would you agree with that, Tony?
6: Oh, out, I, I actually I agree with it on two counts. One, because of the way he played on Saturday. He you know, he, he just settled in and, and did very well. Probably should have been a six in my read, but it wasn't. But there you go. He you win some, you lose some. And also, I don't want Taylor to play if his shoulder's gonna pop again. You don't want to be burning a sub. You know, whenever that you know, whenever that befalls you, you you'd rather say, right, you know what, sit it out until you're fine to come back and there's no effects, you know, because what if Taylor's shoulder goes first challenge, you know, and then you're bringing on Montgomery, you know, you're burning a substitute. There. Absolutely. Yep. It like, could be like, whatever time, so just say, go with Montgomery, he, he's done nothing wrong in the times we've asked him to deputise for Taylor in that position. Then what a confidence boost that was to the young kid as well. You know, on you go. I'm trusting you now in a, in a game of this magnitude. Go and enjoy yourself. And as I said on Friday, Celtic have to go and enjoy this Europa League group stage. Go and enjoy it. Go and have a rip at it. Let's go and get a result. You know, go and you know, go out there and, and play whatever way they're going to play, but above all else, get a result. And now we get they week try again. Saying, away games are going to be key, aren't they? You know, remember the first ever Champions League group stage that they featured in. They won all three at home, and never get a point away from home. Robbed in Juventus the first night. You know, and that came back to bite them because uh, they're one of the few teams who have actually gone out at any group stage of any competition on nine points. It's incredible,
2: Mm
6: -hmm. you know, and Celtic right now would probably bite your hand off for nine points because you're probably qualifying nine points right now from that group. You know, so so it just shows you the importance of going away from home, digging in and getting a result. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Started, you know, so you go there and you play a team that's capable of getting a result, and I think Celtic are capable of going to Spain and getting a result. I said before, I don't look at this group and it puts a fear of death into me. You know, I trust the manager and I'll trust his team formation what he picks. You know, and I think I think I agree with you. I think Montgomery's earned that because if there's still a doubt over Taylor, then. Don't go in with any doubts. Don't go in with any negativity, thinking, oh, if he goes, he could last five minutes, he could last 55. Yeah. No doubts. Take that out of the equation. Play Montgomery. I think so.
5: A couple of more points um, to talk about for this week's game before we move into some of the other issues that are around about Celtic Park at the moment. But one of them I would suggest is, when you look at the defeats other than the Rangers' defeat this season, a lot of that, I think, has been down to the fact that we've been so threadbare at the back um, you know, you think of the beaton Welsh partnership that quickly became Murray and Welsh and then that fell into the second leg against Mitchelland. And then we bring in a, a new centre-half and we're so keen to play them that he's thrown in at Tynecastle Castle alongside Beaton. And I think that, you know, even though they've only played one game together, I do feel a wee bit more confident David, in that defence that we played on Saturday, there for them to go into this European game, um, even though the left back position will not be our first pick because Taylor is our first pick, I'm pretty confident in that defence going into Thursday night's game.
1: Yeah, I'm more confident than I was a month ago. Um, but remember that you know Ross, there were a few near misses on a few near misses on Saturday. Ross County really ought to have scored at, at, at least mm-hmm. one of the chances that that that, that they had. So. We're still vulnerable at the back. I think Carl Starfeld's had a bit of a bum rap since he since he came in. I d I don't feel like he's done an awful lot wrong. I thought he had a good game at Ibrox. Um, and I, I think he'll I think he'll settle in, in the in, in the fullness of time and prove to be a good a good acquisition. But the whole back four looked a hell of a lot more solid with Cameron Carter Vickers in there. Um, at, at the weekend, and I uh, know you know a lot of people uh, just some sort of notional first choice starting 11s floating around on 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 social media over the weekend. A lot of people had Montgomery and the first choice eleven, um, and maybe it's a bit too too early to say that, but he certainly made a, a real impact when he came on at the weekend, and he's acquitted himself very well. Any time he's he's represented Celtic in in, in in recent weeks, so I'm sure he'll play on on uh, on, on Thursday. And, and as you say, I think the whole defence has a a more solid and robust look to it than it did um, four or five weeks ago. Perhaps wouldn't be hard. No, uh,
5: you're right. And by the way, I I like the look of Murray. Uh, You know, the future seems to be bright with players like Murray and that coming through, you know. Um, Of course, there has been other issues uh, in and around Celtic Park. It was a slow news week last week, Tony. So slow. And then... Friday night happens, and Laura and I jump on to give a reaction to that. And the big thing for me uh, on the back of that reaction was some people thought we went in studs up on the board. Others said, you know, you've got to be careful with the the wording um, when it comes to personal reasons. But I think there's a huge nuance there because personal reasons and personal issues are two completely different things. A personal reason could be, I don't want to work for you. I can't work with you. My promises uh, or my vision um, isn't being fulfilled within this role. So I wasn't reading too much into that. I also know that obviously when the club are announcing something of this magnitude and it's getting announced to the stock exchange. I need to do it in such a way, Tony, that there's no panic. You know, it doesn't look as though Celtic are running about with their hair on fire, um, as some might suggest. So Patrick Murphy comes in. Welcome to the show, Patrick. You're watching on YouTube. We can only speculate on what's happened. An outsider looking in, our board does seem to be against modernization because it'd be, it'd highlight their inefficiencies and would cost money. We go on as dinosaurs. Now, Yeah, there's always an element of speculation, but isn't that what alternative media is? Because media uh, is often something that's been fed by the source. So it's going to be fed by the football club directly, Tony. It's going to be fed by a government and it's going to be reported as gospel. Then you have a a different view on it. You have an alternative look at the situation. Um, So, yeah, we will never know the ins and outs. But one thing we did predict, Laura and I, is that we're going to get the the official statement, and then we're going to get a couple of leaks into various newspapers, and that's exactly what happened. What do you make of all that? And we'll not talk about the Charlie Mulgrew um, genuine <laughs> voicemail against the uh, other one, uh, the not-so-genuine one, because I mean, it was turning into farce by that
6: stage. What did you make of the uh, the events of Friday? I was talking to David off-camera just before you came in, and I burst out laughing. that season. I, I might be in the minority here, but I was one of the few that actually looked at that and couldn't really give a toss. Because CEOs and all that, I'm I'm as detached as I'll ever be from CEOs and Celtic board members. All we have in common is Celtic. But I've said to you many times, I know I'm a Celtic supporter. I question whether they are real Celtic supporters. All I care about is the three things that make Celtic Football Club, in my opinion, as the supporters, the manager and the players. And uh, so when the news filtered through, I was disappointed because I thought Dominic Mackay was taking Celtic down the kind of route where they were more media friendly, more fan media friendly for a start and modernisation of the club. But was I shocked and surprised by it? No, really. And then when it said Michael Nicholson is taking over as acting CEO, my, my first thought was, who are you? Who are you? Because I don't really know these people, you know, and as I say, I, I'm as detached as anyone from them, and I shouldn't really know them, you know. You I, I remind them that, yeah, they might be custodians of the club, but they genuinely don't speak for the Celtic support. They don't a club blazer and a club tie, I've said it before. They represent themselves, you know. Their vision of Celtic is measured in balance sheets, and customer bases and money, ours isn't. Did he even um, refer? Well, the, the very fact they call you a customer is an yeah. issue, isn't it? Because we're I mean, fans, we're not fans. customers. Yeah, we spoke about that last season when we we're having a, a pop at the board many times. And the great, the great thing about the weekend was our manager. Our manager was sensational when he was asked about in the media. White noise. He just kept. He kept saying. That's over there. I'll let them have their squabble. And he even said to a guy, if you think if you think that nothing in my head for focusing on Ross County, then you've read me wrong. I love that. I love that. He was channeling all his energy into getting a result on the park, which is what you and I care about. You know, and he drummed that into the players. Forget that. That's out there. And the only reason you put up with the board is because they they have the daily running and the future of the club in their hands, which sadly, and I've said it before, until a new broom comes in and you get real Celtic men supporters and those with a Celtic state of mind and a real Celtic state of mind who care deeply about the club and where it's going, then, you know, things will pick up and you'll see things. But with this current border, and I've also said, meet the new boss, same as the old boss. You know, we we've just been fooled again. Is that is that the stunt of pulled with Mackay? And the biggest casualty, you said, there's the truth. The truth. You know, only one person knows the truth here. It's Dominic Mackay, mm-hmm. and the various others that on the board will know a version of truth. But Dominic Mackay is the only man that will tell you what happened, and he's signed a non-disclosure agreement, so you'll never know. And true to forum, Celtic then started their close friends in the media be it broadcast be it print and whoever's closest to people that go up that boat chain the board chain they start mm-hmm. feeding out things so you're getting half truths here and half truths here wild speculation lots of people who think they're in the know know actually the square root of zilch they are putting it out there and it all feeds into that kind of machine you know dominic Wichels, the only one that could tell you the truth here and he signed the nda and maybe in a few years it will come out, you know, but uh, as... <laughs>
1: yeah, to, to some interesting interesting points there. And, and you know, he, he, he said at the top that um, he didn't really care to a certain extent who the CEO of Celtic was. And I, 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 I know what he means, but I, I, I kind of... I'm of a similar view, but for perhaps different reasons. Um, I actually don't think running an £80 million turnover business is, is, is all that difficult, and I think there's probably any number that could that could do it um you know I, I know i know people running businesses four or five times the size of celtic for a tenth of the salary that the that the ceo gets um, but but uh, the, the the thing that sets the the celtic ceo job apart and something that michael nicholson will need to think carefully about is the media profile that goes with it and the general fallout associated with um with any missteps and 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 you know so, social media scrutiny people like us talk, talking about it so on and so forth so so, so that that's the big difference. It's it's just a, it's just the media profile that the that the, the position has, and and that's where Celtic have have, to my mind, consistently fallen short in the last eighteen months. That, that the communication has been has been so poor, yeah. um, and and the guy who's done the best job communicating in recent weeks, if, effectively the de facto spokesman for the club, is Bianj Ange and you know he dealt he dealt absolutely effortlessly with questions around. The CEO issue over the weekend, uh, immediately after the after the Ross County game, kind of swatted them aside. gave, gave very astute, cute, cute answers to the questions he was um, he 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 was given. But but you know he he's he's effectively stepped forward, and for my money, he's the most important person at the club. I think I think there's any number of people could do the CEO job. Um, I'm not sure there's any number of people who necessarily manage uh, manage Celtic as well as Ange Postecoglou appears to be doing it at, at, at the moment. So he's the most important guy, but he shouldn't be asked to be de facto um, spokesperson on issues such as such as that, as as well as uh, as well as managing team affairs.
6: Paul, well, no. in three months, Ange Postacoglu has united everybody at Celtic. Are the people that matter? Mm-hmm. The fans. Yep. The players. You know, in three months, he alone done what a board will struggle to do, as David said in the past eighteen months. Right? Everyone is all in on Ange, you know, and so I think the supporters are worried that this would affect Ange, As David said, "He he is he's a wonderful spokesman for the club at this moment in time, you know." And and, and one of the reasons is he's come in with obdurate eyes. He's just going to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, and just like you know, you know, and and has what he's seen. You know, and I know he's going to have to work with people higher up uh, in command. But listen, he'll tell you what's going on. I mean, he's been signposting it since, you know, I wanted deals done for players. They've only done quick enough. Things like that. Back over the net to the board. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody knows my feeling. We need more players in. Back over the net to the board. You know, he just won't take any nonsense. And he'll post it and he'll tell you. Because that, he's that kind of guy. You know, and I I agree with David I I think he's been tremendous the past three months. When you think of what he walked into, a club that was, you know, tearing itself apart, really. And in a few short months, he's managed to unify everybody. He's got the team playing a decent style of football, getting some decent results. Progress is being made in in an area where it matters most, on the park. Off the park, a lot of the supporters genuinely couldn't care less. You know, these are faceless names and they don't they recognise with them, but they do recognise with the manager and the players. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia
4: gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
5: Going back, going back to when I first started actively supporting the club by going to the games, Tony, I used to pick up the fanzines outside the ground as well as a match programme. And uh, my fanzine of choice was at that time, Not The View, which mm-hmm. launched in 1987. And if you imagine at that age, there you go, there's the latest edition there, well, David. Pre- Superb. Um, what issue are we on now, by the way? Could you just tell me what
1: issue that is? 275. That's incredible. It's the, first, it's the first print edition in 18 months, but at least they're still going.
5: That is incredible. It really is. Um, because it gave you that bit of humour that you needed uh, on right. the bus coming back to Fife as much as anything else. But what it did, Tony, is it educated me as a young man in the inner workings of football club beyond what was happening on that. Green patch of grass. You yeah. know, because at that time I wanted to be reading about the brilliance of Paul McStay, the incoming Frank McCaveney, and all that kind of stuff. But what The Not the View was doing was talking all about the, the boardroom. They were talking about Celtic need to go public. They were talking about ousting the board back in 1987. I've I've recently gone back to the early editions, um, you know, that were photocopied efforts back then. And they're talking about all these things. They're talking about the park not being fit for purpose and all of this stuff. And it got you into the way of thinking, as a young football fan, that you probably shouldn't have been thinking about behind the scenes. Um, but we're back to that point where that is the, the kind of focal point of a lot of our discussions at the moment, when it shouldn't be. Because that, you know, with a club like Celtic, that should be working like a finely tuned kind of engine. That shouldn't be an issue. But it seems to be, and my big concern with Ange Postacoglu is that when, you know, the Eddie Howe deal fell down, nobody could pin it on Dom. I mean, that was something that had been well underway before Dominic McKay, um had come, in, come in, into the club. But what he did say on that first opportunity with the, the fan media is that he was uh, grateful that he was allowed to come into the process of getting Ange Postacoglu in the door. And I remember him saying, and this man to my right is the right man for the job. And I'm delighted for him to be here. So my big concern, I guess, is that here's Ange Postacoglu coming in uh, to a country where he's never worked before. The man who apparently was a part of the process um, was Dominic McKay, who's no longer here. The backroom team that he has spoken about, and I don't just mean coaches, but you know the data analysis and sports science guys that he wants in the club have not yet arrived. And I just don't want him to appear um, as an isolated figure at Celtic. Now, I think he's strong enough, David, in terms of his character and personality, as Tony said there. I mean, the way in which he's dealt with the, the media scrutiny. Um, has been very, very impressive. The way that he's dealt with situations that weren't of his making in terms of personnel has been very impressive. We've been impressed with a lot that he's done. Does it concern you, though, that he does, or he may appear as an isolated figure now that he's come here and he's got none of his own team around about him, or indeed the person who played a part in bringing him here?
1: Well, we certainly don't want him becoming an isolated figure. Um... You know, I said a few moments ago that I think he's currently the most important person at the club, and I doubt that many would agree with me on that point, uh, certainly off the field at any rate. Um, uh, but but I, I, you know, I, think, I think everything that Ange said over the weekend in, in the immediate aftermath of the Ross County game suggested that he doesn't feel like he's an isolated figure. He kind of played down... The Dominic Kai departure distanced himself from, you know, how how much influence Dom had on his arrival at the club. So, you know, it's, it's certainly not something that we we, we want to see happen. And I, 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 but, it, it, you know, it it, it, it it may be that in a kind of curious sort of a way that Dom McKay's departure strengthens and Oglu's hand at the club because he he is now clearly so pivotal on and off the field to everything that we do. Um, that you know, I think in terms of um, in, in terms of uh, leverage with the board, he's probably in a pretty he's probably in a pretty strong position to dictate terms.
5: Yeah, you know that that was something that. I was thinking about when I was talking to Laura and we did mention that that he seems to be in a position now not only looking ahead to the January transfer window but also these other figures that he wants in the backroom team he's never really mentioned Tony any concerns that he has with the coaching staff he said when he came in listen I'll I'll assess the guys they've kind of gone back into the shadows Uh, they're not at the forefront of our minds as much because the results have been slightly better than the work under uh, Neil Lennon nearer the end I think when I'm looking at the situation at the moment, and I'm not comparing it back to the old days with the old board. They're two completely different scenarios. But I'm looking at a board here who dragged their heels on the Neil Lennon uh, situation. And, uh, you know, they should have made a decision long before they did. Who dragged their heels on the Eddie Howe appointment to such a point that he was in a position to walk away from the deal at the 11th hour. Um, And now they've appointed... Regardless of the reasons behind it, they've, they've appointed the wrong man because he's no longer here, Tony. And you look at the, the three kings behind me, Matt Busby, Bill Shankly, Jock's team. The, these three men played such a part in the respective clubs, Man United, Liverpool and Celtic, that they were almost irreplaceable. They'd been there for so, so long. You'd probably throw in Alex Ferguson into that kind of category as well. Brian Clough, how do you replace these guys? They're football managers, of course. But when there's a such a colossal influence at a football club, and what I'm talking about here is Peter Lowell, for example, that when he leaves after 17 or 18 years, it, it's almost an impossible task to replace him. I mean, Jock Steen, when he leaves Celtic in 78, the only man that could take over in the hot seat was Billy McNeil. there was no real obvious choice um, and had they made an appointment from within there probably would have been a backlash back back then when it was announced in January as well Tony was it an impossible job for Don McKay
6: has Peter not left (laughs) that's
5: another good question he's not left the building per se uh, but in terms of the decision making process we are led to believe that you know, he, he is uh, in a situation
6: where he will not be influencing the day to day running of the club. Well what, what I was very with was answer football man, right? And he clearly demarcated those lines. But what he did also say was he, he got on well with Michael Nicholson. Mm. He made a point of saying that, right? Which struck me as being I can work with these guys. As long as they leave me, this is that's their remit. and I'll not bother with them. I'm doing this. I'm a football man, and I'll, you know, obviously they will merge at some point because you'll need money for transfers. It'll, but he made a point of saying i got on well with this guy, the acting CEO. You know, name checked him, so don't have a problem. You know, so that didn't strike me as a guy who wasn't willing to work with them. And when I say I don't care about the, you know the board, I, I genuinely don't because I want the manager to work on the football side of things. I want to hear from the CEO when he CEO when he's telling me about figures and stuff. You know, that's all the only time I want to hear him speak. But when the manager says to him, I need X player, it costs X amount of money. I expect him to sign him. I expect him to back the manager. You know, because he's shown he's got an eye for a player. You trust him now. and But do you trust the board not to annoy this guy that he, he walks? That's the worry. Not entirely. Yeah, not, not entirely. entirely. Right? Not entirely. Right. So, but um, I trust Ange and I trust I to say as long as they don't interfere in anything that he does on the football side of the, on the operation of the business then he'll be fine he'll stay because that's where he's happiest that's what he's happy doing Yeah, and that's why he, he managed to blank everything out and that's why he managed to field those questions from the press because I don't think he's interested either he wants to be in the training ground he wants to work with the players players he's got now up until January and then he'll turn his mind and people keep I saying to him you know, do you need a DOF? Do you, and he's like, I'll deal with this. You know, do I need a DOF? If any if any structural changes are needed, we'll talk about it at the right time. Or we'll deal with it. You know, but for the minute, you start to build up a football team that brings success to Celtic Football Club. And that as a supporter is what I want to see. You know, boardroom squabbles can, you know. And he's observed, he's observed
1: quite dryly a couple of times since he's been in position. He said something along the lines of, "Look, mate, I'm a football manager, not an accountant." Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and 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 you know, it, it, it's a kind of good one-liner, but there's a there's a there's a bit of oomph behind it as well in terms of in terms of what he means. And he's very clearly, you know, set set demarcation lines between his role and the roles yeah. of the board. And I think everybody gets that. Um. He's also stepped up the plate in terms of uh, covering some of the communications void that we've uh, that we've spoken about I, th- I thought Do- I mean Dominic Mackay probably did have a you know a, t- a tough job when when, when coming in uh, he come in from you know the, the Scot- Scottish rugby um, yes he had some some Celtic background and some exposure around the club but, but you know big big shoes to fill whatever you thought about P- Peter Lowell a bit a big a big pair of shoes to fill and and, and dealing with a Celtic board you know as i said before i don't think the job per se is is necessarily an incredibly difficult one it it's it's the it's all the environment around it that goes with it that makes it something of a something of a minefield and and um you know we we can only speculate as to as to why why don McKay's left but it, you know it it looks like he was he was perhaps pushed rather than rather than jumped
5: You know, we've mentioned a few times engagement, uh, lack of communication, David. There's a couple of things I want to run by you, see what you you think here. First and foremost, there has been an increase in engagement with fan media, uh, with the thinking behind that being that, you know, there are... Groups of Celtic fans who listen to various different podcasts or read various blogs etc., and if the club are able to engage with these groups and I think the group was probably fifteen strong initially, mm. then that can be filtered in to their various audiences and it's and it seems to be working really well in that respect. The one criticism I've heard. It's not coming from us, but from some of our listeners, is that it's all great and well speaking to players that have just arrived at the club or, you know, in the week leading up to a big game. But wouldn't it be better if we could get more access to the decision makers, not just in the football sense, but uh, behind the scenes? And I don't know how, um, you know, receptive the club would be to that. However, this only came in as a result of Dominic McKay being involved at the football club. I mean, Tony, you know how long I have been requesting for access. I mean, since the day that Axon started over four years ago, we've been trying to get some form of access to the football club. Uh, Not always just to press conferences, but for other reasons, interviews, etc. And it's not been forthcoming. The club completely uh, were against that. And I don't mean the media team, because obviously they are, are um, uh, being told what they can and can't allow. Do you see it continuing? It was obviously something that was uh, created by Dominic McKay. Do you see it continuing? And if it doesn't, Tony, what does that say about the board and
6: their kind of attitude towards the Celtic support? I think it'd be a major slap in the face to the Celtic support if fan media engagement has discontinued. But then I go back to you, would it surprise you? Meet the old board, same as the new board. I meet the new board, same as the old board, whatever way you want to phrase that. You know, so you, that's that that's a major call here that Michael Nicholson has now, you know, to and and do they want to just uh, airbrush Dominic Mackay from the you know the, the record in the minute statutes, you know, well, what better way to do that than to strangle fan media mm-hmm. if it's more or less its infant and its birth? You know, and and I I would imagine that you have a foreboding sense of doom about that. Uh, I do, I do, yeah. Because, you know, you fought so long and hard to get to where you want to be with fan media engagement and and fans were enjoying it. You know, and now all of a sudden the guy who was largely responsible for bringing that in because he embraced that, that was part of the modernisation culture. You know, and now... Uh, he's been replaced and the CEO's supposed to be a, a close friend of Peter Lowell then you're joining dots here aren't you? Again you're speculating a, a
1: bit I'd be, I'd be surprised if it was discontinued You know, I'm not inside Michael Nicholson's head but, but uh, to me the fan media access is quite an easy win uh, and by and large one or two slightly left field questions notwithstanding you know the, the club and fan media avoided too many pratfalls as a result of that particular experience. So it, it was an easy win. It's going okay, and, and, I, and I think the perception associated with withdrawing that access now would, would 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 be an absolute body blow to fan club relations. So I I, I would be really surprised if they didn't continue. But it.
6: but it's but, also a remnant from Dom Dominic Mackay's period at the club seventy two days, you know do you take a hammer to that and just smash it to pieces you know if you are anti modernization if that's yeah. part of your, I don't, part of I, don't your think,
1: I don't think that's what they want to do uh, I, you know i i I, and I think i think i think that the, there's some you know don, don Mackay did some some good stuff while he was at the club but you know i think we could all agree that he had a you know a, a pretty strong, pretty strong transfer window in terms of concluding deals, in terms of beginning the modernisation process behind the club, and I, I think the people there, are, are, are you know, I, I would think that they're, they're intelligent enough to pick the good stuff from what he did and leave, leave some of the stuff they didn't like so much to one, to one side, I don't think they'll just sweep everything aside and say, well, to hell with that, we'd go down a completely different path. I think that some of the good stuff that he instituted, I think, will be maintained, including fan media access. I might be wrong, time will tell, but that would be my call at the moment. Are
6: yeah. you sure you are intelligent enough, David?
1: Of course I am. I think it would be a massive one-goal.
5: Um, And that's not just being selfish, because I just think that, you know, if you take the 15 platforms and all the individual audiences, and there'll be crossover audiences as well, you're getting a lot of messages out to a lot of Celtic fans on a regular basis there. It would be a massive one goal, in my opinion. The other thing I was going to say, there, there certainly was a moment, Tony, that I felt... Dominic McKay had an opportunity to really stand up for the Celtic fans. Now, this was on the back of uh, the discussion around one of his priorities when he spoke to the, the fan media conference at the very beginning of the season. He was talking about getting fans back into the ground. He had had um, the experience of doing that with the SRU and he was he was looking to uh, speed that process up. Celtic were at the forefront of getting fans back into the stadium. Now, that, that being said, we then came up against an issue uh, at Ibrox, where Celtic had been promised 750 tickets. And at the last minute, uh, that the, the club reneged on that and we didn't get the tickets. I think going back to a point David made, the communication around that was poor on Celtic's part, because I think you had to take a stand at that stage. If you're the CEO... You've got to take a stand there because otherwise it's almost as if, you know, Rangers are just pulling your shorts down in public, you know, and you are standing there and taking it. Um, that was an opportunity for me, Tony, for Dominic McKay to stand up for the Celtic support and he didn't do it. Am I being
6: harsh or do you agree with that? Celtics should have had supporters into the ground at that Ibrox clash. No two ways about it. A solution could have been reached, an amicable, an amicable solution. You know, these are big club decisions the two of them had to get round the table and act like big clubs that they are, you know, and try to tell me that they could not have come up with a, a solution where Celtic got tickets and the Rangers got tickets for the corresponding fixture in, in January. Uh, I just, I, you know, I was quite astounded by that. You know, and I thought Celtic handled it badly. I thought Dominic McKay handled it badly. Uh, it is, you know, the unique selling point of any... Celtic Celtic Rangers game is, is the supporters, get back to it they're the most important people, football clubs you know so a, a, a derby match with no away supporting. there's something missing there always will be and it's wrong it's just plainly wrong and how Celtic directors and Rangers directors can't rise above this, petty nonsense and sit round a table and say okay let's sort this out once and for all no, and I and I'm not interested in he said, she said, or they started it, or whatever. How grown men acting for those two them, huge football clubs can get round a table to say we'll give you X amount of tickets for our ground and X amount of tickets for the other ground is beyond me.
2: Mm-hmm.
6: You know, act like adults. You know, it's childish. And act like big clubs. It's something you've act said before club. on this show. Yeah, big clubs. You no, know, take a big club decision and Dominic Hankai had a chance there to act you know make Celtic act like a big club and yeah I think he failed on that one and he failed badly and the the correspondence and communication around it was very poor too
5: What's your thoughts on that David? Because I agree with you in terms of the transfer uh, window I mean by the last count and I'm obviously differentiating between players who are classed as first team players. I think we brought in 12, uh, 11 permanent uh, team members left, plus four loanees went to their parent clubs. So we lost 15 players uh, and we brought 12 in. And I think that unfortunately, when you look at the, the squad on Saturday there, you look at the bench, a couple of injuries throws us into a bit of disarray at the moment. But it is only one transfer window and we're looking ahead obviously to January and hopefully the the January transfer window being more active than January past. So I would agree with you in terms of transfers. I don't think you can expect to get more than 12 first team players in in the door. But one thing that I think he let himself down on and it was a good opportunity uh, was the Ibrox ticket and debacle. What's your thoughts on that David?
1: I don't. Know, I wonder if Rangers really wanted to give Celtic any tickets at all in the first place, and were just looking for an excuse not not to do so. Um, I, I do find it. I do find it odd that there's you know the the, the 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 two clubs have the two clubs have so many common interests in many ways that that um, I, I do find it odd that that you know that that, that we can't seem to find a meeting with minds as regards. As regards tickets, and and never mind seven hundred and fifty tickets, you know, perhaps perhaps growing the allocation back to something approaching what what it was a couple of a couple of seasons ago. I, I'm just, I only know what I've what I've read in 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 the press, and it, it it appeared to me that Rangers didn't approach the negotiations in particularly good faith as regards the the allocation of tickets for the fixture that we just had. Could Dominic Mackay have been a bit stronger? Maybe. I think he's. A, I think he's a. I think he's a real diplomat. Make a new friend every day is his motto. Um, maybe he's trying to be a wee bit too hard on that occasion.
5: Make a new friend every day. I wish I had stuck to that one. I've only got about five <laughs> at the last count. Um, yeah, uh, that's right. That's my wife and Burns. Uh, Whose news? Right, fan media access isn't exactly a groundbreaking development. Well, I think it is. And I'll tell you why, right? And I'm not just singling you out there for this, but when we started the Celtic State of Mind up, um, one of the big fan media sites that we looked at was the Anfield Rap down in Liverpool. Um, through Kevin Graham, there's been visits down to the, the studios down there, which were influential and inspirational into what we've gone on to, to build up here in Dalkeith. But one of the big things I took from the Anfield Rap was the relationship with the club. The relationship was incredible. I mean, they travel to uh preseason camps with Liverpool. They're given access to Jurgen Klopp. And I don't mean all the time, but they are given access to Jurgen Klopp. Existing players, they have interviewed Virgil van Dijk, for example. That's the Anfield Draft. That's an independent, fan-led channel. So when we were looking at that, and I was thinking, well, the thing is, Tony, when you set anything up, you have got aspirations to where you want it to be and I wanted Celtic to have a relationship with a Celtic state of mind what does that give you I I guess that's what people are asking because you know you're getting a new player coming in you get uh, often generic questions asked etc yeah that's one side of it and it's great to get access to players but you are hoping to be given the opportunity because you imagine us having access last season to the manager Right? So you're then given an opportunity when it's not all sweetness and light, where there is no agenda because there's no editor speaking to you in the ear telling you, got to ask this, you got to ask that. There's no agenda. What you want is you want the questions that Celtic supporters um, are asking answered. So we never ever claim to be the voice of all Celtic fans, but what you do get uh, on a day-to-day basis, Tony, through the comment section on the various channels, is a good idea and a good flavour of what many Celtic fans are feeling and then you can then pose the questions to people who have influence at the club. So I think it it was massive for us to get to that stage where we were engaging with with Celtic, um, and we were hoping to grow that. And who knows where it would have gone. I think that that's the importance of fan media engagement. You only need to look um, across the city to see how big and how influential fan media can be, um, both in Scotland and further afield, whereby Tony, you know, some uh, journalists, some, some outlets were asked to come up with a bounty of 25K. Fan media outlets were able to actually pay that. And, you know, it's incredible that the size. By the way, Axom couldn't. Can I just uh, make that clear? If anybody wants 25K, we can't pay it. Um, but it shows you the size that fan media has got to. You see some of the big channels down south with half a million subscribers for a Manchester United fan channel which is five times bigger than Celtic's official channel. Fan media is huge, and it's only going to get bigger. So I would never write it off like that,
6: Tony. Oh, no, you can't for all the reasons that you've just outlined. You no, know, You you spent four years trying to get access. You know, it was a major victory the day you got access. It was cause for celebration, not just yourself. It, what did you say, 15 other fan media like something like that? Yeah. Yep. You know, so you, and Axum's never claimed to be a spokesman for the Celtic fans, but as you see, you from your subscriber base, you, you get a kind of feeling for and, and flavor for what what concerns them, what questions they like asked. So, but every other uh, fan media broadcaster does does that too. You know, so and and it's not like everything else you. You know, we've got a subscriber base because they like us. Some others like other fan media broadcasters, and that's fine. We've never ever claimed a monopoly on on anything. But it's a big thing for Axon to get access to players and the manager, and I don't think you can just... I don't think we'd want to ever give that up now that you've had a taste of it. You know, and we, we await with interest what Celtic and the new CEO... And the rest of the board members, what direction they want to take that in. You know, I I think it would be an own goal too if they did that. I'd like to think they wouldn't. But part of me thinks that they might think that it's a remnant from only Mackay's 72 days that they might just want to do away with. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a few
5: things that we've requested as well, Tony, going forward. I mean, there's an issue at the moment because we started the match day coverage during a pandemic when no one was going to the games. You then get allowed back into the games and there's there's season tickets lying because um, there's one thing I'm not allowing the match day access to stop. So I want to continue with the, the preview show and the, the, the post-match show. But we've got to figure out a way of doing that. And we were hoping to work with the club to figure out a way how I could be at the stadium and broadcast, but also see the game. You know, in its entirety, and so we were talking about that. There was also the idea, Tory, um, which I still quite like, where I went to a U2 gig in 1993 at Celtic Park, and there was a confessional booth where people could go in all day and confess, and it was being filmed, and it eventually went up on the big screen. I would love to get an Axon confessional outside the ground at some point. Anybody can just drop in, tell us your deepest and darkest secrets, and then, obviously, we can use them. Um But I don't know how you much that would be. On that <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, a confessional booth, Axon, tremendous. Um, a few wee, wee things to talk about before Thursday's game because let's not get bogged down entirely. We've got a massive game coming up on Thursday. I'm excited about it. Whenever we play in Europe, it's unfortunate the Celtic fans can't go there. I think there's people who obviously have booked up for it, and and uh, you know the rug's been pulled from under their feet there. So when we're looking at uh, Thursday's game, the other Slight selection dilemma. I think that there may be, David. You might disagree with us. I was looking at that team line at the weekend, there and I, I had some concerns about Tommy Roddick. I've been delighted to see him back in the team, looking lean, putting some game time in those legs of his. Um, but because he, his international career um, means that he does a lot more travelling than most, it's a bit like Hugo, I guess. You know, there's all there's there's you know long haul flights involved there. I think he did look tired at the weekend. He certainly did look tired. And I think there is a question mark around whether or not Tommy Rogic starts. If he doesn't, do we play Turnbull in a number 10? Do you draft in Sorrow or McCarthy to play in midfield? Is that an option for Thursday night, David?
1: Good question. Um, I thought Tom Rogic lacked a bit of zip at the weekend as well. He, 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 he didn't look the player that he'd looked in, in uh, certainly the previous in the previous home games, where the ball just seemed to be, you know, basically on a on a on a string stuck to his stuck to his boot. Um, uh, so, w- will it, would I play him on Thursday? Probably, I would. Uh, probably, I would. Um, I mean, as, as as usual, I'm sure if he does start, he'll probably play just the first 60, 70 minutes, and then and then come off in, in the usual way but uh, he, I, I would I would be inclined to I'd be inclined to go with him on the basis that he'll, he'll, he'll have had an additional four days recuperation and his early season form was absolutely spectacular and I'd like to I'd like to capitalize on that none of the none of the other options that you articulated there sounds especially appealing uh, but we, we are we are now having once had an embarrassment of riches in midfield we are now somewhat somewhat bereft of uh,
6: of enticing options. No, you're right. You're absolutely I think, right. I think this is tailor made for McCarthy and to push McGregor further forward. Uh, if McCarthy is fit, you know, 100% fit, I think this is a game that McCarthy can come in and allow Karam McGregor to function further forward because you're going to have to score. You're going to have to take something from that, I, I, I would assume. You know, may have to score more than one. And I think if M- McCarthy can come in and sit and it might allow McGregor to be you know, used further forward at the expense of either Rogic or Turnbull, I would say. You know, because neither nor have covered themselves in glory in the big matches that Celtic have had so far, and, and neither nor on Saturday were, were particularly impressive. So I think McCarthy could possibly come in and you make the decision on Tom Rogic or Turnbull. You know, so uh, it's it's that's that's the swap I would make, and I've got concerns about that as well. Mm. Uh, you know, and I I, don't, I think most Celtic supporters would. You know, but I think we have to start now getting game time into McCarthy. You know, I if, think so. And he has been declared fit, the manager. Said he's fit, so now you got to see what he's got. Yeah, you know? give him the game time, and let's yeah. see what you know. Because people
5: have written him off; he's only thirty which is nothing for a footballer these days. Um, Now, I've got to thank everybody for getting involved. Also, everybody for the support uh, over the last few weeks. Um, There's been some... Tense issues that have arisen, but you've also been tuning in on a daily basis and you've been voting for us in the Football Content Award Finals. Uh, Tony and I will be travelling down to London to enjoy them. Hopefully we can bring a trophy or two back. That would be lovely, Tony Haggerty. So thank you for joining (laughs) me on Twitch. (laughs) We used to be good at the trebles. LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to subscribe and click the notifications bell and you'll be entered into a monthly prize draw. This month, it's a series of one-off concept Axom jerseys. Uh, we've also been given away platinum discs. This framed poster that was given to us by Johnny Owen, who you interviewed last week, Tony, from uh, mm-hmm. the Three Kings, uh, that will be given away. There's another big framed Seville one behind us. Loads of prizes, loads of Celtic-related prizes. We'll be giving them all away. You can come to the studio to pick your prize up, uh, have a look about, have a cup of tea, see what we do, see where the magic happens, as they say. Uh, but all that's left for me to say today is thank you once again, Tony Haggerty and David Sly for joining me on A Celtic State of Might.